All right. Welcome to episode three of High Crimes and Misdemeanors. I'm Allie. And I'm Christine. And we're on episode three. And we have tested this out so we know what you're hearing right now. And you're welcome. (laughs) We finally, we finally have good hardware. Oh my God. It's bougie, in fact. It's pink. It's so pink. I love it. It's girly, murdery love. I love it. That's who we are. I feel like in a nutshell. Yep. Uh, so, disclaimers, right? First. Yep, we gotta go through our disclaimers. Oh, shit, I broke a nail. <laughs> oh, nose. All right, so there's first disclaimer. We swear. Um, I can glue it back on. We're good. Okay. Uh, but there will be lots of shits and fucks and other things. So if that doesn't uh, ring your bell, you should stop listening 15 seconds ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, because buckle up, sweet pea. This is going to get ugly. We are left-leaning. We cuss a lot. We are from a weird co-parenting situation. And this is discussing murder. So there's some dark humor, but we are absolutely not advocating right. horrible things. We're celebrating horrible things. Right. And we're not laughing at the violence, per se. We come from... Uh, Catholic, so dramatic backgrounds, and we've always been able to find the humor in the worst situation. It's kept us sane. It's made us good moms. I feel like decent, decent enough. We're doing. She's alive. (laughs) She's fucking cool. She's cool, and she's alive, and she's our favorite listener, which is upsetting. But here we are. Hi, Fiona. Hi, girl. We love you. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, we have a really cool eight-year-old. We swear a lot. We're really left. And if none of that does anything for you, there's plenty of other podcasts, um, and you should absolutely go find them and stop listening to us. Mm Mm-hmm. So how was your week? Um, very, it was the longest year ever this week. Yeah, yeah. This was an entire week of Mondays, and the stupid was just extra chin high. Yeah, I feel you there. And another crazy Wednesday, too. Like, I would really like for this Wednesday to be nothing. This was a good one, though. I mean, nerds crashing the stock market is always <laughs> just drop. Peak. Um... I know. I've got some friends who are who are really into Reddit, and so I immediately was like, tell me everything. Not that I, like, pretend to understand the stock market, because I don't. Like, oh, no. I had to have it explained to me, like, four times. And I took a finance course in college. Like, I'm no slouch, but I was like, now, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, I am a slouch. Like, I suck at math. <laughs> Two plus two is seven. I don't know. It's just not my brain. That's not how I work. So it was beyond me. But I knew that the everyman was fucking over the rich people. And that is something that I can absolutely get behind. Absolutely. Eat the rich. It's my favorite thing. (laughs) It's what I do. Um, So, yeah. What an insane week. Ugh. And, you know, just personally, there were shenanigans. Well, there's always shenanigans. I think there must have been a full moon or a new moon. There was a full moon. I remember there that. There was a full moon. Child lost her mind. She's a good kid, but she done lost her mind. As eight-year-olds tend to do. Yeah. But there were shenanigans and, and drama with her. And then just the news every day is so freaking dramatic. I mean, there's definitely crazier things. I feel so much better about the majority of the headlines now, though. I <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not waking up every morning. I don't to- feel like the damage report is the morning headline. It's right. more like 
okay, is it still real? Right. It it feels competent. If, like, really slow, hey, Joe, remember that promise that you made about uh, children in cages? Um, as a campaign promise? Maybe you should follow through on that. Uh, if you ever want to win anything ever again, Democrats, let's follow through on our fucking promises. Let, let's go. No babies in cages, please. No. Um, but, you know, he's doing things and there's competency, um, which is something new and different. So I feel like the news, at least, is a little less bombarding while still triggering. Very triggering. Well, very upsetting still. Like, the number of deaths, the people that keep dying. Like, I've seen a bunch of celebrity names pop up on my phone within the last week. We Chloris. just lost Chloris Leachman. Frau Bluchner. I, uh. Mima from um, Raising Hope. I such an underrated role for her but she's just and she was, and, and mm. one of her later quotes that is still just cemented into my mind uh-huh. and i'm gonna perform it for you okay i'm ready i did not come here to roast bob saget i came here to fuck john stamos <laughs> <laughs> oh all right oh, chloris chloris oh you beautiful woman so May she rest in peace. <coughs> but speaking of movie quotes and movies, are you watching anything cool right now? What are you What are you binging? What are you into? Oh, what have I been watching? Um, we've been watching old reruns of Hell's Kitchen, so we're Great. really enjoying watching Gordon Ramsay scream at people. I mean, that's always very enjoyable, and it's always been one of Christopher's favorite things. It is. Um, not exactly my favorite with a central nervous system disorder. It doesn't really help me calm down at night, but you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but... So we've been watching a lot of that, and we found the most amazing thing that we could only get through about the first half of an episode, but it was absolutely worth looking for. Uh-huh. Gary Busey, Pet Judge. What? It's Gary Busey mumbling nonsense at people <coughs> oh about God. their pets. So the first case was about what to do in the case of a funeral of a cat, And the couple wanted to, they couldn't decide whether or not to have a Viking funeral for their cat or bury it in the family mausoleum that this woman had built with her father. So Gary Busey had to mumble nonsense at them. As he does. As he does. And it was absolutely worth the curiosity click. Oh, man. Okay. Well, anything with Gary Busey is funny. It was absolutely worth um, indulging that curiosity. What about you? What have you found? So I'm like super late to the game and it's not because of a disinterest in the material, but just I'm weird. I finally went back and started watching past the first few episodes of Outlander, which I loved the books. They were like huge for me. Um, So hot. And so I should have watched this before, but I just never got super far. And now I'm, like, invested because Jamie and Claire just got married and, like, those kilts. My God. So this one is really tough for me. Outlander, my mom and I really got into when it first came out. Yeah. And she was waiting for season two to come out when she passed. Yeah. And so, um, and I had bought her the book to read while she was in the hospital thinking that she was going to be coming home. So. I have absolutely stopped watching Outlander after the first season, but I 
I, you know those clips that come up on your stupid Facebook feed? Yep. Do I watch every single one of those yep. every time that pops up? Absolutely. Yes. Just, so oh. I absolutely need to get back into Outlander. You it's need time. to do it. You absolutely should do it. It's just, it's beautiful and awful for some of it. And just the costumes, the accents, the men. I mean... Pure works of fiction. Just pure works of fiction. I will... I will simp any day of the week for a fictional man. Hello, doctor. Um, but yeah, that's but been yeah, the no. Thing. My mom and I, when we first started watching that show, um, immediately nicknamed the show "Fuck 1945." <laughs> I mean, basically, though, that's absolutely like after episode two, we're like, "Hey, do you want to watch Fuck 1945?" Yeah, absolutely. Fuck 1945. Yeah, yeah. It would. That's. The perfect name for it, honestly. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, Kathy, here's to you. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so are you ready to start our murdery shenanigans? I think so. Who's... Is it it's me? It's your turn. Okay, cool. Good. Well, then, uh, let's get into it. So, Christine. Yes. <laughs> Oh. A fucking work email. Have you ever heard of the Hello Kitty murder? I have not. Ooh, goody. Okay, so we are in Hong Kong, and it's May 1999. Um, a 13-year-old girl, who's only ever referred to as Ah Fong, walks into the Sim She Sui police station. If I mispronounce things, I super apologize. I'm going to do my absolute best, and I do it with all respect. But the Sim She Sui police station with the craziest fucking story. So she says that she hasn't been able to sleep for days because there's a ghost living inside her Hello Kitty mermaid doll. Okay. I'm still wrapping my brain around those words. Right. First of all, there's a Hello Kitty mermaid doll. So there is a Hello Kitty mermaid doll. With a ghost in it. Yes, with the ghost of a young woman in it. And this has upset this woman so much that she's gone to the police. Right. Cool. All right. I'm with you. So, obviously the police are having the same reaction as you. Like, okay. Time to call psychiatric professionals. Sweet little baby child. That makes absolute sense. Of course. Um, It's time for you to go home now. Um, but she's like, no, no, you don't understand. I know that she's haunting the Hello Kitty doll because I was there when she was tortured and murdered. That the Hello Kitty doll was tortured and murdered? Or the, the, the ghost. soul of yes. the now Chucky Hello Kitty doll? Esque. Yes. Okay. Um, she was there. And that's how she knows. And they're like... Pfft. Uh, We're talking about real murder, though, right? Well, they're not sure. They don't necessarily buy it. But she's able to convince them um, to go and check it out. So Fong told the police, Ah Fong, told the police that nearly a month uh, passed where she was torturing this woman in a nearby apartment um, and that there were a few other guys there. It went on for quite some time. Um, they kind of brushed it off. Like, I, at this point, I don't Wait, know. did you say she was torturing the She person? was torturing. Ah Fong was torturing. Yes. Oh. This is what she's telling the cops. 
And at this point, they're not believing her, which is weird because she was being really specific. I feel like my my Joe Kenda-ness would come in uh, at this moment, you know? Like, my, my, my. What a murder we have here. Um, but they sort of just didn't buy it, but wanted to, I don't know, be nice, I guess. And they're like, okay, we'll come over and we'll check it out. Um, and it's... As soon as they step in the door at this apartment that they think, oh, maybe she wasn't fucking lying because the smell of death was everywhere. Oh. Um, so it's not a made up story after all. There's a veritable def- house of horrors. There's definitely dead things in this apartment. Um, and this apartment was number 31 on Granville Road in Kowloon. Um the owner of the apartment was a man named Chan Men Lok, um, who was notorious in the area as a drug dealer and a gang leader. So he was triad. Cool. As one would assume. Not assume, sorry. I just, for a gentleman in Hong Kong to be related with criminal activity, like drug and dealing. And running slumlords. And gang, and like, and gang uh, warfare. It's, it's going to be the triad, is what I meant. <clears throat> So it wasn't super surprising that he had these gang affiliations with his long list of crimes. Like, the police knew about him. Um, and in the 1990s, um, gang warfare was a really big problem for Hong Kong. Like, that was the peak. It was. It was the peak and of I'm triad. And I'm horrified to tell you that I remember 1999 with such clarity. Yeah. I mean. Because I was yeah. almost an adult. I wasn't, but I remember it very clearly. But, yeah. I'm, I wonder how many people can say that anymore. <laughs> Fucking children. Oh, my God. All of them. Um, but, yeah. Anyways. So, this area of Hong Kong specifically was, like, not the greatest place to go. Like, you didn't want to end up there. Um, every city has them. Every city has them. Jewel of the city. Here we go. Right. So, in this area, for these local triad members, their favorite places to hang out and do, like, seedy business was the local brothels, which I guess, you know, criminals, pimps, they sort of go hand in hand. They all run in the same cliche things because cliches are there for a reason. Of course. So, speaking of cliches... Um, Chen Men Luck's favorite brothel at the time was called the Romance Villa. Oh. Which I thought was just a great name. And that's where he met 23-year-old Fan Man Yi. So Fan was known as a local prostitute and a drug addict. She was highly addicted to meth. Um, they called it ICE. I guess that's the street name. I'm lame enough where I didn't know that. <laughs> I had to go research what ICE was. Um, so they... Oh, 90s drug lingo. So they talk about ice a lot, um, but it's meth. So know that they're interchangeable as I talk about it. But that was her drug of choice. Fawn had had a really hard upbringing anyways. Um, she was abandoned when she was a child. It's such a problem in the Chinese culture. Yeah. Um, and she ended up at Mata Wei's girls' home. I'm hoping I pronounced that right. So she was abandoned young. She was in the system. Um, So obviously, not obviously, but one is not shocked to find out that she found addiction at a pretty young age. Um, 
And that to pay for her addiction, she started selling her body because that was what she had to offer. And there's always a predator there. There's there always to help someone. You get what you right. need, sweetie. Right. And she found those people very quickly. And she got mixed up with the wrong people very quickly. Again, she was 23. She was a baby. Um, so. Again, really hard childhood. But in 1996, she was doing really well. She had met a man. They fell in love. They got married. They moved in together. They had a son. It seemed like uh, Fawn was starting to get her life together. And as those things always go, when two addicts are in a relationship together without any treatment... It didn't stay good for long because her husband was also addicted to ice, meth. <laughs> I'm not laughing at meth addiction. I'm laughing at my inability to say ice like I'm cool. Um, but they quickly fell into their previous patterns of behavior and their addictions. Like the police would get reports, like the neighbors would report later that there was domestic violence happening. They just didn't work out. That just, that situation just naturally deteriorates. It's a recipe for fucking disaster. It really is. You cannot be in a relationship, a healthy relationship, when you both are suffering from a disease as serious as addiction without some sort of help. Um, without you both being clean because right. addicts cannot be around other addicts. Right. It's the thing. Um, and so she was really struggling and... Very soon after this, like, really awful traumatic thing of falling out of love and having a marriage end and losing her son, which she did. He was two. I think I was pretty, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that she had lost custody of her two-year-old son. Um, So she didn't have him during this time. Probably because of her past as a sex worker. Right. I mean, that doesn't help at all. Thanks, patriarchy. And, like, also the addiction and stuff. There's something to be said that she wasn't in a place to be a mother. Neither of them were, if we're talking the throes of addiction. Right. Neither of them were in a place to be parents. And I say that without judgment, but for the safety of the child, that was absolutely makes sense. Um, But it was during this incredibly low point in her life that she meets gang leader Chen Menlok. So Chan meets Fawn at the romance villa... And Fawn quickly becomes his favorite girl. He starts spending large amounts of money on long sex and ice binges. Um, And obviously her addiction gets worse because it's being fed so avidly. Um, And so in early March of 1999, the inevitable happens and Fawn's addiction gets the better of her. And she crosses a line that I think if she had been sober, she would know the risks and wouldn't have done it. But she stole uh, Chan Man Lok's wallet, which oh, had no. um, about 20,000 um, Hong Kong dollars, whatever that is. I'm sorry, I don't have the note in here for whatever reason. But U.S. dollars is like two $2,500 about. US right. For an addict, they don't think that she's far She's not thinking. Ahead. She's not thinking. She's just trying to stay not sick. Um, and she... 
uh, obviously steals Tom, from a mob boss. She steals from right, right, like a high-ranking triad member of the local who's gang. Ever scene. played any video game or seen any movie knows that's a really bad idea. It's a really bad idea unless you're in the throes of addiction, and then nothing else matters. You're not you're not going to be it's in a place to process life or death by the choices. minute. I can't even put myself there because, but. No, that's um, that's a recipe for disaster. So, John quickly figures out who took his wallet. Like, he's a drug dealer. He's not a fucking idiot. And he very avidly threatened, you're fucking paying me back. Um, and she did. She quickly paid Sean Man look back plus interest from her prostitution earnings. Um, but he kept demanding more money. And, uh... Because once you fuck up, you are fucked. Right. In his mind, Fawn hadn't paid her debt, um, and she still had a lot to make up for. So, um, on March 17th, 1999, Chan Man-Luk and his two friends decided that they're going to kidnap her instead to start, uh, having her make up for how she wronged them. Um, these two guys... I'm going to do my best, were two fellow triad members by the name of Leung Xing Chao and Leung Wei Lun. Um, and Chan was there ordering them to abduct her as well. Um, so their plan was they were going to kidnap her and make her their prostitute until she had paid off her debt, although they hadn't designated what that debt was. Until he was done being pissed off, because she'd already paid the money back plus interest. Right, which is just, like, it's <coughs> a pimp move. Like, he's a fucking pimp and a low-life it, piece of not, shit. It's, it's, it's human trafficking. It's it's absolutely predatory, and there's no, right. there's no way to distinguish this other than this poor, this poor girl kicked the wrong hornet's nest. She really did. And, um... So they brought her to um, that apartment that I told you about, that Afong had brought the police to, which before this um, was like a five-bedroom apartment that the gang just used for, like, gang activities. <laughs> no one was living there. Um, it was just used sometimes, and Chan Man Luk was the man in charge, and so it was his apartment. So they brought her there, and uh, they got really fucking high on meth and started beating her to the point where she went unconscious. And it's at this point that they have this epiphany like, oh man. That's super bad for you. We can't prostitute her out. She's got bruises now. Well, that's also her fault. So they're going to make her pay for that. Um, <laughs> so back to the 13 year old. Afong who was there for most of the crime. Wait, Afong was 13? 13. Did I miss this in no. the beginning? So the 13-year-old that was reporting the, the ghost the ghost doll was 13 years old. And uh, I totally am just wrapping my head around the fact that she's 13. She's 13. Okay. Um, so she's, no, she says that Chan Man Luk is her boyfriend which is unlikely to have been the case. Uh, more likely, it was her pimp. Um, and that's why she was there. 
Um, and she's a child, so keep oh, that in mind Again, as I go into pure this. Pure human trafficking and pure awful. And pure 13-year-old, like, as we talked about last week, 13-year-olds are not capable of wrapping their heads around the permanence of what they're doing, and they can't be held entirely culpable. Culpable and accountable, yes, but entirely, no. So, anyways. We're moms, fight us. Yeah. The, anyway, the 13-year-old Afong, who was there for most of the crime, detailed for the courts what happened during the entire month that the men had Fan Man Lee alive and in and out of consciousness. Oh no. Um so Afong recalls that the three tied uh Fan up um using uh her shoelaces. Um and they started using burning and melting plastic straws on her feet to start, like, torturing her. So they're, like, burning her feet with melting plastic. And they did this for a few hours before they got bored. And they decided that uh, they were going to just start holding a flame up to her feet instead to burn the bottoms of her feet. Um, they used chili oil and vegetable oil. Um, as, like, an irritant to the blisters from the burns on her feet. Um, they poured the same things into her other wounds, her eyes. Um, they would hang her upside down. Or, no, sorry. They would hang, yeah, they would hang her upside down by her feet from this hook that they had in the apartment ceiling every time they would go to sleep. Um, in the morning, they would beat Fawn with, like, lead pipes um yeah and a detached water pipe because the iron bars weren't enough i guess um they would keep irritating all of her wounds with chili oil to like maximize her pain wow just absolutely monstrous <clears throat> when fawn would lose consciousness because obviously she's gonna lose consciousness because humans can't tolerate that amount of pain that depravity they would get bored, and so they'd just go play video games and do more math. Oh, my gosh. Um, Afong said to the court, they beat her all the time. They beat her when they were bored. They beat her for laughs. Um, I mean, it just keep. Oh. So they would throw oyster sauce in her face and in her eyes as well. They made her drink motor oil. They began urinating in her mouth and beating her if she didn't swallow it. Um, Fong said she was broken and playing with her wasn't so much fun after that, but we carried on anyway. There wasn't anything else to do. Um, also, Fawn wasn't being fed or given water during this month-long torture. So, what comes next was the fucking inevitable. Um, <clears throat> and on April 15th, um, the four had returned to the apartment, so Chan Lan Lok his two accomplices, and Afong, the 13-year-old. Okay, so mom boss, the two goons, and the 13-year-old with the haunted doll. Yep. Okay. Returned home from the arcade and clubs is what's reported. So they went out for a night on the town. Okay, cool. You know, went to Dave and Buster's, right. and then, you know, came, um, 
Came home to the meth pad. Right. And she was likely hanging upside down this whole time. Because that's where they kept her when they slept or needed to store her. When, yeah. When they weren't uh, needing to use her, they would just hang her up and put her away like a fucking toy. Um, I also have a hook in my house for my stepladder. Right. So that we hang up when we're done with her. It was super late in the night, so they decided not to check on her. They just went to bed because they were super tired. And who gives a shit? You've obviously been torturing this thing. This thing. It's not even a person to right. you at this point. Right. It's pure you're dehumanization. Consta- you're constantly fucked up on drugs, and you're torturing this object that you're hanging up on a hook. Right. This is not a person to you. You no. don't give a shit. Right. So they don't check on her at all. Because they're filth. Because they're absolute human fucking garbage. Um, but when they wake up, they have the epiphany, oh, fuck, we need to <laughs> go check on her. I guess we should check to see if the hamster's alive. Which, at this point, they realize that she's not. She's not breathing and she's cold to the touch, which means that she's been dead for hours. Oops. Hours. Um, I hate it when I forget to plug in the hostage. Seriously. So, Farmani is dead. Um... Who was a fucking person. Right. So they panic because, weirdly enough, at the same time, police were in the apartment building on an unrelated rape case. So there were cops around and they had this body on their hands. Super inconvenient. And they needed to get rid of her very quickly. Well, how do we do that? I know. So Chaman Look orders the entire group to work together on a group project and dispose of Fawn's body in what Ah Fong recalls um, was absolutely destroyed. So they're going to participate in some, you know, light dismemberment as a gang. Um, They move her body to the bathtub um, and they start dismembering her, um, starting with the head. I cannot even explain to you right now the connection that we're going to put together at the end of our night. I just want it noted that we're at this point in the day. I haven't started shit. Trust me. We're going to come back here. Oh my God. Watch. Are we 0 for 3? This is really exciting. This is fucking 0 for 3. Now I'm creeped out. Continue. Please. Okay. So they move on to the bathtub and they cut off her head and other parts of her body. Um, Chan decides once he's removed her head, he's just going to boil it so all the skin comes off. Um, The entire dismemberment took approximately 10 hours, um, and he ordered the other two men to remove the flesh and store muscle tissue inside the fridge. Um, So now it's Leong Shin Cho's job to cook the head. Um... And he calls Ah Fong over to come help him. The 13-year-old child. The 13-year-old. She tells the cops that she's like, I was really scared to look in that pot. Um, So she knew. Like, she she knew what was happening, obviously. And uh, Leong tells her to pretend like you're watching television. So he's telling her to completely disassociate at this point, the 13-year-old. Which just always goes so well. She's not going to have any issues later. What could possibly go wrong? So again, this whole thing is taking 10 hours. So obviously they get hungry at some point. Right. They're starving. Um, so they start uh, boiling some noodles for dinner on the same stove no. that they're uh, cooking the head. 
And rather than find another clean spoon, they just decide to use the same spoon for both pots. I mean, boiling water kills all the germs, right? Ugh. Yeah, it's it's fucking nasty. So they boiled the head. Uh, Cops found in the refrigerator upon searching the apartment teeth, uh, muscle, and Ziploc bags, other organs. Um, They recovered her liver, intestines, um, lung, and heart from a canopy below the apartment. Um, on May 26th, and then... A canopy below the apartment? Yeah, so they just threw shit everywhere they could to get rid of her. Except for the head. Now, where do you think the head wound up? You said on the stove. Right, but they were boiling the flesh off, and that head was going somewhere. It didn't stay on the stove. I mean, so far, our serial killers really love to display skulls. Uh Uh-huh. Did we display our victim no. on a bookcase of sorts? Nope. No. We hid her in a Hello Kitty doll. No shit. Is it a mermaid Hello Kitty doll? That's being fucking haunted. There's a skull inside a Hello Kitty mermaid doll. Yeah. When they opened up the doll that she told them was being haunted, because she told them... They found a skull stripped of all flesh uh, sewn inside the head. I mean, Martha Stewart meets Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I'll I'll find photos for you because there's photos of the doll. Obviously, because true crime people, (laughs) you guys, uh, us guys, we're just disgusting. Also, also relevant to my story. Oh, good. (laughs) There are photos. Oh, man. (laughs) So... Afong is granted full immunity of She's all charges. She's 13. Um, she was absolutely a victim here. For her testimony against the three men, the three triad members. So during the six-week trial, um, the three denied killing Fawn, um, but they did say, okay, well, maybe we prevented unlawful burial. Or, um, yeah. Prevented they preve- burial. They prevented lawful burial. So they got they would get an unlawful burial abuse of a corpse. Right. Basically. basically. In, in all in American right. alternatives, this right. is abuse of a corpse. They also all minimized their role in the torture. Right. Just totally shaggy. It wasn't me. Blaming each other. Like it was John. It was Leon. It was Leon. Like you know. You know right. how they do. Absolutely. Like, um, any child who gets caught getting right. busted. Right. It was just someone else's fault. Um, weirdly enough, the defense team was almost able to prove that they didn't intentionally kill her and she didn't die of torture. They almost got them to believe that she died of a self-inflicted drug overdose. Which, honestly, I, I sound surprised but the more I think about it, obviously, it's going to be, unfortunately, really easy to convince people that a drug addict would have died of... An overdose. A self-inflicted overdose. Because this is a community of people that are underrepresented, um, not and protected, never get any sort of justice. And they're, they're totally, always blamed. They're totally unrepresented and stigmatized for their illness. Right. And addiction at this point is an illness. Right. They need medical 
intervention. And not only for her illness, but she was a known sex worker in the area. And, like, we here at High Crimes and Misdemeanors are pro-sex workers. Like... Absolutely. A hundred percent. But the world at large is not, and it would not... And in our world, they would be adults who know what they're getting into, not children who were preyed upon. Right. However, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a 13-year-old who was preyed upon and used... That is human trafficking. That is not sex work. Let's... She was a victim here. And if they made her hurt this other woman that they were objectifying... Yeah. Which I am sure that they probably did. They were doing the most horrendous... Uh, inhuman things. You think they're not going to inflict that <coughs> on the 13-year-old that they're also victimizing? Right. Or at the very least, the 13-year-old is going to be able to put together in her brain, if I don't do this, if That's I don't act me. like them, this is my this is me next. Because Fawn... And how many times did they look her in the face and say... Who knows? This is you. I mean, they absolutely If you don't do have. exactly what I want, this is you. I mean, yeah. They could have said it, but even just showing her. This is concrete evidence. It is a clear of message. the consequences of not doing exactly what I want you right. to do. Right. She wasn't dumb. So, I... I Yeah. But... Um, they Sorry, almost convinced... No, it was Here a worthwhile rant, for sure. And... They were almost able to convince everyone that it was Fawn's fault, which is just, I hate justice systems in general, like around the world. It's not just America and Hong Kong too, apparently. Victim blaming has to fucking stop. Like we have to stop doing this. She it's, was absolutely in fear for her life. She was a fucking victim. She was a fucking victim. Fawn was a drug addict who paid off her debt and was tortured for a fucking month. She never asked for this. No. She never asked to end up haunting a 13-year-old in a fucking Hello Kitty doll. But anyways, finally the jury was like, okay, no, it is them. They did do it. Um, and so the three men were convicted of... It doesn't have a degree of murder. Maybe they don't have the same sort of degree system. I'm not sure. Um, but they were sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 2020. Ooh, as if 2020 didn't leave us enough surprises. Right. Jazz hands. So the judge that sentenced them, his name was Justice Peter <sighs> Nagian. I'm so sorry. I'm not sure. I but I have notes where you can actually read that mm -hmm. and then correct me. Um, but he said, never in Hong Kong has a court heard of such cruelty, depravity, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness. And that is the crazy fucking story of the Hello Kitty murder. The haunted Hello Kitty mermaid doll with a skull inside of it. Do you want to see a picture? I absolutely do. Okay. Before we wrap this up. Let me find the picture. It's some crazy shit. Oh my god. Let me Google. And this is why I have a hard time reading fiction, because you can't make this kind of shit up. Uh, right. I mean, there's no horror movie that's nearly as terrifying as some of the cases that we read about <laughs> on a regular. So here is the... This is the final resting... Well, hopefully not final, but this was the resting place of Fa And that there's a skull inside of this poor 
it looks like a well-loved child's toy. I mean, it's... From the outside, right. not knowing what this poor thing has been through, this poor right. stuffed animal, let alone the trauma of everything around her. Right. But just as our eight-year-old anthropomorphizes her stuffed animals still, this poor, loved little Hello Kitty doll with the stains of it being dragged through life yeah. of what should have been a 13-year-old who still has a couple stuffed animals on her bed. Right. It's fucked up. And it's just... It's such a level of depravity because it's a child's toy. Like, what we do as humans to other humans is always disgusting. But there's something really twisted about taking, like, a symbol of innocence, like fucking Hello Kitty, and uh, putting a body in there. That's fun up, bro. Law 52. <laughs> if uh, we can think of it, we will find a way to absolutely ruin it and make it violent. <laughs> that's humanity. Violent or pornographic. <sighs> that's what That's what the internet does. It's just crazy. So anyways, I think that you're up next. I am. So we're going to take a quick intermission and reset some things. And we'll be right back. Okay. All right, and welcome back to the second half of High Crimes and Misdemeanors. I'm Christine. I'm Allie, if you hadn't been checking in. Well, it's my turn to start, and I can't even explain how excited I am because our cases are eerily similar and yet completely different. I just, I appreciate that we're 0 for 3 in, like, finding cases that somehow end up with a cool title at the end. <laughs> If we can keep this up, if we can keep this up, we can do anything. So, what are you doing? Tell me. All right. So, I you have the lighter. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm that asshole. All right. I'm ready. All right. Tell me. So, this is about the murders of Joel Joel Guy Sr. and his beautiful wife, Lisa Guy, by their son, Joel Guy Jr., I don't think I know this. This is not triggering your lizard brain? The names are not. Joel Guy. Okay. What a guy. On November 16th, 2016. No, that was not at all the words that were in front of my face. Okay. It says November 26, 2016. Yay, weed! <laughs> and Joel Guy Sr., who was 61, and his wife Lisa, who was 55... For getting to retire to their Knoxville, Tennessee home. They were selling this home and they were going to retire and go do whatever it is they wanted to do. As one does when they retire. (laughs) It's the dream. I'll never do it. That's the dream. They had a buyer for this home. They were starting to pack their stuff. And they had their family together for one last Thanksgiving in this home on November 23rd, 2016. Um... One of the daughters, Michelle, was able to be there, um, and a cup and and two of her sons, okay. and then also the couple's only son, Michael Gay Ju- Guy Junior. Okay, so we've got six people in the house, right? Well, the son, Joel Michael Guy Junior. So Junior, we'll junior. just call him Junior. Traveled up from Baton Rouge to, to come be part of this family Thanksgiving. Right. Um, he was going to LSU. Um, however, he had dropped out the year before. Uh-oh. Things weren't going great. 
You know, he started out as one of those gifted kids, but wow, okay, didn't didn't work out. He dropped out of LSU in 2015, and he was living off of his parents. He used to have a roommate, but at the time of everything, he was living on his own because he was being supported by his parents. Oh, wow. Okay, so, like, right up until you said that his parents were paying for everything, I was going to ask, why didn't you just at me? Right. Um, but, like, no, no silver spoon, unfortunately. No, no, no. And these were not people of great means. Oh, no. So, like, absolute basement dweller. Absolute basement dweller. No. And when you see the pictures of this, it is exactly what you would think the comic guy from... The Simpsons looks like looks like IRL. as a human person. Okay, cool. So absolute neckbeard is what we're getting at here. So neckbeard comes back for family Thanksgiving with mom and dad and half sister Michelle because Junior is the baby of the family. He mm-hmm. has three older half sisters. Um, his dad, Senior had um, three girls from a previous marriage, and um, Junior was the the only son of him and Lisa. But Lisa was a loving stepmom to the three girls. She was in a group chat with Dad and the three girls. Like, she she was absolutely... Mom. Mom. Another mom. Yeah. So... We know that. We know how that works. So, Thanksgiving was normal, except for Michelle noted that her brother, who's usually an awkward weirdo, was exceptionally friendly. He went out of his way to talk to her to talk to her two sons. He gave them a bucket of toys, and you know he was normal. He acted normal, which was not normal. <laughs> Every family has one of those, right? So you're like, all right, well, okay, I can't. I don't know why this feels weird, but okay, here we go. Right. He's on his best behavior. I can't you know, be mad. But right. What the fuck? All right. Um, and she said that she saw two large blue tubs in the back of his car, assuming it had his crap. He was kind of a mess, as basement dwellers are. Slobs. Whatever. Um, so, you know, family, it, it, it seems to go well. He's a, Junior's supposed to stay there for a couple of days before everybody parts off, and they all had plans to meet up for th- for Christmas at the new place. Okay. Right, so we have plans in place for a month from now. We're all going to reunite. Everything's going to be great. Right, family But Christmas. pretty much everybody in this family knows that, look, everybody's been supporting Loser Junior over here. Right. But we're done. It's time for the parents to retire. They've sold the house in Tennessee. They've done enough, sir. They're going to tell him they're cutting him off. Okay. Well, now I can see where this is going. This is what we call motive. This is absolutely called motive. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It is the ultimate motive. Yeah. So, um... Two days after Thanksgiving, on November 26th, um, he enacts his mischievous plan. Such a little puck. He, he, he. No, this is awful. Um, while his unsuspecting mother is out shopping for on the morning of the 26th at the nearby Walmart, they have her on camera. She looks like any mom running out to grab some crap at Wally. Right. And you come home. Um, 
while mom's out at the Walmart, Junior ambushes and stabs his father in the exercise room more than 40 times. Jesus Christ. That's 40 times. Yeah. Fuck. The amount of blood in the room shows it was a violent, chaotic attack. No fucking shit. And that Senior put up a fight. Yeah, he fucking did. It's a horrific scene, especially when you look at the amount of blood spatter. And the source that I'm using is amazing. But, yeah, this was not... Hold, I mean, that that's blood. <laughs> you can't make any argument that that wasn't a fucking brutal scene. Jesus Christ. There's right. puddles everywhere. Yeah. Um... So she's out shopping at around 12.15. When she comes home at around 12.30, she drops all the groceries in the front of the, at the front of the foyer of the house. And they were left untouched, including perishables. Uh-huh. So as soon as she got home. Because moms put the fucking milk away. Yeah, because we know no one else is going to fucking do it. <laughs> We put the goddamn milk away. Oh, honey. But the milk is not put away. Right. So this happened as soon as she got home. Right. She walked in the door and she was dead. Somehow she was lured upstairs where she was attacked and stabbed over 30 times at the top of these stairs. Mom, come quick. Something's wrong with dad. And you find out later that he's got horrific cuts all over his hands. Well, yeah, with all those fucking stab wounds, obviously. Yeah. What, the cat scratched him? Yeah. Whatever it was. Oh my god, mom, come help. So fucking, of course, mom comes running up the stairs. She's gonna drop the groceries in an emergency. I bet you anything, he did something like that. He Absolutely. Every mother knows that situation. That's exactly how you get us to do whatever needs to happen. Tell us there's blood. <laughs> Say, mom, help. Here we go. Fuck logic. Here we go. Um, heavy blood soaking and spatter is everywhere on the walls on the stairs. So this happened right at the top of the stairs. She's ambushed and stabbed to death. Her clothing is in a pile and buckets of drain cleaners sit next to the large blood stain on the floor. He then began to dismember the bodies of both mom and dad. Okay, here we go. Now, yep. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Dad's hands were severed, his arms were severed at the shoulder blades, his legs were removed at the hip, and his right foot was removed. His hands were left in the exercise room on the floor. Lisa's legs were cut off below the knees and her arms and at the shoulders, and her head was removed. Joel put his parents' body parts in two large rubber-made containers full of chemicals to dissolve them. And most disturbing of all, and here's where I said, ding, ding, ding. Okay. We're going to come back to this. Mom's severed head is in a large covered cooking pot on the (gasps) stove. Oh my God, it's the melting heads. It's the melting heads in the house of horrors. That should be a metal band. Is that a metal band? It should be. The Melting Heads? That's our title. The Melting Heads. Episode three, The Melting Heads. All right, here we go. All right, tell me more about mom's head in the cooking pot. So it's in some kind of liquid and turned on to simmer. 
in the process of attacking his parents, he received injuries to his hands that were serious enough that he decided he needed to go out at 3.30 that afternoon to the exact same Walmart that mom was just at, that he had just ambushed and murdered his mother as soon as she returned from. He went to that same store. Well, everyone everyone needs... uh... A trip to Walmart sometimes for essentials. Fucking one-stop shopping convenience, here we go. Oh my god. So he's buying medical tape and bandages and all the other first aid supplies to treat these injuries he obviously didn't expect in this plan. Now, he's also um, a... Uh, oh no, my source got all wonky. What happened? <laughs> You're stoned. <laughs> I'm super stoned. Did I did I stop clicking in my thing? I did. This is the the pro content that you guys signed up for, right? Right. I think it absolutely is. It's high crimes and misdemeanors after all. If you were expecting If you didn't expect me to stutter and forget where I was at least once. If you came for professionalism, I promise you. We're I'm figuring so it out. Sorry. We're figuring it out. But, so, the injury on Junior's thumb is so bad that he was actually concerned he might u- lose this thumb. Oh, no. So, this really interrupts his dismemberment plans. He did not plan to get injured while murdering his parents. As one is to do. Right. One's not assuming that they're going to get hurt. Well, right. stabbing someone 40 plus times. So, he figures out, all right, well, I don't have insurance. I'm a college student. Um, it's probably going to be cheaper if I go to, like, urgent care back by the campus. I'm visiting my family in Tennessee. I'm in the middle of dismembering their bodies and getting rid of all the evidence. It's time to go back to Baton Rouge. It's time to go back to Baton Rouge to get that free college care. I mean, the healthcare system in America is a travesty. So, I mean, fair. Modern Fair. problems require modern solutions. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Road trip! So, he couldn't finish the job. <clears throat> he just left him? He, well, he had started taking care of this. He had the torsos all cut up and in the Tupperwares. Mom's head in the pot. There were hands in Tupperware containers. He had everything soaked down with big sprayers full of different chemical solutions. Right. And he cranked the heat up in the house to like 90-something fucking degrees because that was going to speed up the process. Of decomposition, sure. (laughs) Exactly. He's trying to get rid of all this evidence because he's wicked smart, you know. Is he, though? He was one of these gifted kids. Well, weren't we all, but... Well, unfortunately, (coughs) Lisa's that... Stand-up person in her community, when she doesn't fucking show up for work on Monday morning, her boss is like, she's obviously dead and chopped up in Tupperware. Red flag. Yeah. So, they call the cops on Monday morning. Lisa's not at work. Something is fucking wrong. Right. That's who Lisa is. Lisa, who does not need to work. Lisa, who is literally working to give her son the paychecks. Oh my god. That is why Lisa, who had spent most of her adult life as a homemaker raising her stepchildren and her own son right. with her husband, went back into the workforce was so that she could help provide for her son who had dropped out at LSU. Right. Because there's nothing a mom won't do. Because there's nothing a fucking mom won't do. 
So, Lisa. Lisa, who doesn't show up to this job that she doesn't fucking need to have, they call 911 and say, Lisa's not at work. Right. This is a goddamn problem. Right. The cops show up and find this house of horrors. Oh, God. Um, the first responders are permanently scarred by this. Oh. They have said things yeah. like, the smell will never leave me. Right. I will never forget what I saw that day. Yeah. Absolute house of horrors. Um, here we go. Is the most horrific thing he'd ever seen. He, um, found both of their clothes, um, both of their vehicles in the driveway. Um, groceries on the floor. When he walked in, he, the back doorknob was missing and he could feel heat radiating out of the doorknob from where the heat had been cranked up to 90-something degrees. Right. And they show body cam footage at this trial. Oh, the smell. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God. It was just a mix of chemical smells and death. Just vomit-inducing. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, the stove nauseous. is on. The pot is on. These oh. are the recordings from the body cam footage. The stove is on. The pot is on. There's something in that pot. You can feel the heat coming off the stove. But he's still trying to clear this house. He doesn't have time to open this pot. Right. Mom's head is in the pot. Right. Um, the detective found Dad's hands on the floor in the exercise room, exclaiming, Holy shit, there's somebody's hands. There's blood going up the stairs. Uh, police uncovered the couple's torsos inside two plastic containers in the master bathroom. Multiple body parts were found in Tupperware containers. Um, he and other deputies found the head in the stove um, with parts of her scalp still present. Jesus, fuck. Blood stained the walls and the floors. Piles of clothing were left. Um, just absolute half-assed. Brutal. Brutal massacre. Yeah. Oh, those poor, now, those poor first responders. the family dog had also been shut up in a room with no food or water in this 93 degree heat. Oh my God. So when the cops come in, the body cam footage, you can hear the dog barking. He's alive. The dog's fine. Okay. The cops rescued the dog, thank God. I mean, I'm also really bummed about the loss of human life. I'm sorry. So, when Junior gets arrested, the very next fucking day, because no one is stupid. Right. The minute they find this, they go, uh, where is everyone else? And the sisters immediately go, oh yeah, no, we were all just talking about how we were all about to start cutting off Junior. Right, it's a very obvious motive, Junior. It, it takes them zero time, zero time. To, to link these two dots together. But he's a fucking genius. So, look at this fucking neckbeard specimen. He's exactly what I would think. He's exactly, this is what he looked I like when he got I played D&D with that dude. Right? He actually had a tooth abscess because that was my thought is, what's wrong with his face? His what's face is all swollen. Yeah. And I was like, there's obviously, like, a tumor on his face or there's something, but he, I guess he had a tooth abscess. But that's what he normally... I played D&D with that dude. We all know this bug-eyed yep. neckbeard. Yes, we do. And if you have a neckbeard, I say this with all fucking sincerity. Sincerity. <laughs> to rim it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not hard. It's not hard. We love you. Like, we're saying this as members of the geek nerd community. However, groom thyself. My partner's beard is majestic. It's not on his neck. Right. He very much tries to not have it on his neck, to not be a neck He beard. does. He he very much is like, nope, There's get a rid of the of neck beard. There's self-awareness there. Right. So, prosecutors then go to explain how this 28-year-old man had plotted for weeks on how to kill his parents. He had gathered, they had gathered security video of him acquiring all the supplies from different hardware stores. Right. In one store he would buy a sledgehammer and another one it was a bunch of containers of bleach or drain cleaner or the plastic tubs <coughs> or the this or the that. He had this whole fucking plan. It was a dumb plan. This is the worst plan. There's video. There's so many videos. Um, Gotta keep clicking to make everyone happy. So, he bought all these knives. He had a notebook that detailed his entire plan. Fucking idiots. Don't write it out. Don't. It was outlined like it was his entire thought process. It had outlines of... I'm going to read parts of this because it is absolutely a what to do to murder someone list. Um, I love that you showed the microphone, the photo. I really appreciate that. That's how that. stoned I am. It was like, really cute, you guys. You couldn't see it. Look, I'm great. showing our fans She's sharing this thing you. that no one can see. Cool. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> we were talking about doing video for our Patreon. So if you'd like to see how stoned I am... Subscribe and you will. Yeah, because that's what we're gonna do. And we'll we'll drop that info right at the end for you. Absolutely. If you're down to clown. <laughs> so, on this list of things to do, it was get killing knives, <laughs> cut bodies into the small pieces, reminders to do things like flesh chunks down the toilet, not the garbage disposal. Body gives times of death. Alibi. You know, these things that you need to remember. Right. This is important planning process. This is a great how-to. The motive, the prosecution alleged, was money. Really? No shit. You don't say. Uh, There was a half a million dollar life insurance policy. Oh, my God. According to prosecutors. From dad. Yeah. And, of course, the first beneficiary is mom. Right. So. There goes mom. And if mom is dead... Her life insurance has dad as the beneficiary. So you've got to get rid of them both. Right. But wouldn't he have to split it with his siblings? That was what any person within their right fucking mind would think. But in his notes, he had, but it's all mine. But money, all. I'm going to do the math because I'm curious, but mm-hmm. 500,000. I can do math on a calculator. Three, I mean, it's still $166,000, but mm-hmm. it's not all yours, bro. Mm-hmm. I feel like a human life might be a little bit worth... Might but he hasn't worked out here on his little notebook. Her assets plus life insurance policy at half a million dollars. He, it says, with him missing slash dead, I get the whole thing. I Maybe he does. I don't know. That seems weird. When we talked to his siblings, <coughs> they all said 
no, that's not at all how our life insurance policies were set up. Cool. So. I'm not crazy. That's great. No. But in his mind, get rid of mom and dad. Naturally, he's the only son of both mom and dad. He gets everything. His kids from a previous marriage don't get shit, right? No. No, that's not how blended families work. No. No. You have to share. You have to share. I, I also am an only child. However, my father has remarried and his wife has children. I have step-brothers right. and sisters. Guess what? Yeah. My parents now have more than one child. Yeah. Like, they my, step, my step-brothers and sisters are, are included. They're... Yeah. That's not how blended families work at all. No, no. That's not how inheritance law works. Like, sorry, bro. It's just not how any of this works. But Captain Entitlement is all I can say here. Right, right. Like, mom went back to work to support your loafer ass. Oh, my God. Who dropped out of school. The entitlement. Used to have an apartment with roommates. Something went wrong. There's drama there. Don't know what it all is, but his friend comes back later in the trial. Okay. And there's a voicemail about, I'm sorry about everything, blah, blah, blah. Right. But there's drama. Junior's obviously not... He's a bit antisocial, obviously. Must be kind of hard to live with a dude who would cut up his fucking family. I would think he's not, like, the best roommate in the world. Must have been some... He probably didn't ...tendencies that weren't... Right. ...quite cohabitable. Right. Who knows? So he had this all worked out in his head how he was going to get everything. So, now, they suffered numerous injuries. He was, dad was stabbed over 41 times. Mom was stabbed around 30 times. That's just what they could find from the the portions of the torsos that were still intact. Right. Um, Mom's uh, injuries were so bad that nine of her ribs were severed. This was brutality. Thank God. I hope they didn't This suffer. was monstrosity. Um, so, her head was removed and put in the, um, in the pot. But it wasn't just removed. It wasn't cut off. They actually made a special note of saying that it was removed by force. Meaning that they're implying that it was not cut off it was ripped off jesus christ what the shit wow okay that was a really weird distinction that they were very particular about writing about how things were removed with such force and tearing and blah 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 right he like popped the joints he didn't cut yeah through them. holy shit so, um, he cut the clothes off, he removed the hands, he left evidence all over the fucking place. So he had started this big cleanup measure. And then stopped halfway through. And then stopped halfway <clears throat> through, because it's way fucking harder yeah. to do these things than you think it is. As we learned from Jasmine Richardson. Yeah. As we learned from Jasmine. And as I have learned in my life working in... Animal rehabilitation. Right. Where you do chop up things to feed to other things. Yep. There's any butcher, anybody who works with with hunting, or this is not 
light work. No. Dismemberment is not a casual activity. No. Those are sounds a person shouldn't hear. No. <laughs> so, obviously, Junior got in way <clears throat> over his head, and the injuries on his hands were insurmountable to keep working with all of these horrific <laughs> chemicals. Oh, no. Not like, Junior. I, right? So, evidence all over the place. This bug-eyed little fruit bat in his trial... So, he goes on to then plead innocent, saying, no, it wasn't me. I I did go to that Walmart at 3.30 on that afternoon, and when I was driving back on Monday morning, I saw police tape out, so I just kept driving to Baton Rouge. You wouldn't stop? <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you saw police tape at your parents' house. That you were just at for Thanksgiving. That you knew were fine just a few days before, alive and well. And instead of, you know... You were staying at their house over the weekend. Horrified and wondering what happened to my parents that the cops are there. You you thought, nah, I was already on my way out of town. I'm just going to keep going. Good luck, you guys. That's super believable, Junior. Exactly. Well done. Okay. This so his moron. sisters have seen the blue tubs in his right. car right. from Thanksgiving weekend. Right. They've all said, dude, you're being super weird, but hey, we like it. You're being sociable. We'll take it. Buttering them up to murder their Buttering them up. So, I mean, just all over the place. So he pleads innocent, but then says, but if I am found guilty... Can you give me the death penalty? And the court says, no, that's not how this works. And they decide to take death penalty off the table. Right. Because you don't get to use the system like that. You're going to go through trial. We have more than enough evidence. Come at me, bro. Right. Suicide by jury is not... Uh, no. Fuck you. No. Don't you don't get, get the easy want. way out. We can get a conviction and do whatever we want with you. You were stupid and you lost... Suffer. Everything. Suffer. Like, the reports on the knives say that he is the main contributor of DNA. Yeah. Because he cut himself he so severely. Yeah. Like, half the blood around the place is his. He just... Who would have thought... That a failure of a neckbeard wouldn't be degraded massacring his family. I mean, I had an inkling, but... So, he cocks this up eight ways to Sunday. And then, so when his ex-roommate comes and testifies... Right. And says, you know what, this guy was like my friend for my entire adult life. I didn't think he was capable of this. But he's talked to me really weirdly since then. And he's left me some weird emails... Um, you know, or voicemails saying that you should just think about me as if I'm dead. Um, I think about you all the time, all the crap that, that, that went on in the, uh, the apartment. You're the only thing that I'm going to miss. Like the only real connection or seemingly remorseful loss in his life is this friend he used to have. Huh. Weird. So when his friend gives this testimony, like, y'all, this guy used to be my friend. Since he's been in prison for massacring his family, which I didn't fucking know he was capable of. Right. But since this, he's left me these creepy stalker 
voicemails here let's listen uh-huh. so he goes to get up and leave and this is how this bug-eyed freak looks at him leaving <laughs> this is him watching his friend his ex-friend leave oh my god that's like every nerdy dude that's looked at me when i walked into a, right? a comic book store he is absolutely wow. in, in love. love in love that is 100 percent the look of an incel in love that's yeah yeah it is it absolutely is. Yeah, so he did everything he could. He was found guilty no shit. Um, for two counts of premeditated murder. Yeah, premeditated. Right? One count of felony murder for killing Lisa Guy, uh, one for committing the murder of his father, and two counts of felony uh, murder while committing theft because on top of all of this, he stole a whole bunch of shit. Like, of course he did. Of course he did. Of course he did. So, yes, this is how the little incel is now going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Good. Because he killed his parents and put them in Tupperware in Tennessee. And this is why we can't have nice things. That's always why we can't have nice things. This beautiful couple who worked hard their whole life. And they were just at the end. Like, they they were almost done. Like, they had sold their nest... They had kicked all their babies out. They'd done their jobs. They kicked all the little baby birds out of the nest. And, and the last one didn't land very smoothly, but he was fucking 28 years old. It's time to man up. Yeah, he was going to make it their fucking problem, though. Right. And she was like, okay, uh, we're retiring. We're both re-retiring. Right. We're selling the Tennessee house. We're going to go live this retirement life that we want, and I'm going to stop working to support you. You're a grown-up. You're 28 years old. You're a grown-up. So, Dad was only 61 years old. Mom was only 55 years old. They had worked so hard to be able to retire at a semi-normal age. Right. And this was in 2016, so you know how hard they worked. Right. This was not like 1999 where half a million dollars would get you dick. Right. No, this is where half a million dollars would buy you a house, a car, and maybe pay your bills for a couple of years. Man, that sucks. They were right at the end. Right at the end. So again, beautiful lives lost because of human garbage. Just absolute pieces of trash. I really, I really appreciate our intersection, though. How creepy is this? We keep doing this. It's so good. And it's so random. I hope we can keep it up. We've I know. We keep it up. Oh, my lord. It's just... And I it. promise you that this is not premeditated in any way. No. We both have adult ADHD. We cannot plan shit ahead of time. We are procrastinating and pulling this out of our ass minutes before I drive over here. I promise you. Yeah, I finished my notes like a minute before you walked in the door. Like maybe an hour. Yeah. So, and you had to drive. I didn't have to drive. <laughs> Oh, we're so good. I love it. Whatever. That's fine. That's that's high crimes and misdemeanors. As we are teaching our daughter, that is one of the superpowers of ADHD. I can procrastinate until the last minute and pull gold out of my butt. Right. That's how I got through high school. And for a stoner true crime podcast, I feel like we're killing it. Absolutely. We're doing so good. Um, we should tell them about things. Yes. Um, so check us out on Facebook. Join mm-hmm. the High Crimes with Misdemeanors community. It, we're at, at High Crimes VT for Vermont. Yep. So just come on over. 
ask questions, post weird stories. We want to hear it all. You can send us voice messages through the Anchor app. Um, I will post links up in our community as for that as well. Mm-hmm. Our Patreon is available. We don't have levels. It's just if you want to join our secret um, Cool Kids Club, we have stuff that we're going to start loading up in there, yep. which we have a couple of really cool ideas coming up. Right. We can't tell you anything yet, but we've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe along with merch. We're going to do merch Absolutely. really soon. And um, we're speaking still of ink, looking what? for music. We're still looking for music. So if you have a cool theme song for us, a little ditty, uh, we would love to hear it, please. And we will scream your name to the heavens and just thank you um, over and over again. Like we thank Josh Lambert for our awesome logo, which is just is beautiful. So, cool. so great. Um, and speaking of Anchor, we're on all of the podcast platforms. Yes. So we're on Anchor. We're on Spotify, which is just still so bizarre. We're on Apple. We're on... If you Google. can get a podcast, we're there. And yeah. it's just high crimes and misdemeanors. Our logo's right there. We're... One of the only Canna true crime podcasts that I know of, but maybe you guys there's have some cool... There's a ton of, of true crime podcasts, and there's a ton of cannabis podcasts, but I think we're fairly... We like to think niche. we're niche. We like we're to think niche. we're niche. We like to think we're special. I don't know. We're um, earth signs. Whatever. <laughs> Just get over it. It's fine. And uh, what else? I think that is about it. Yeah, on the Patreon, you just search us. Anywhere, you just search us. So, yeah, that's episode three. Episode three is in the bag. We finally got the audio a little bit better, and it's only going to keep getting better because we're going to get another mic. So it's just going to be killer. Yeah, in our bougie uh, podcast lounge that Ellie has built for us. Uh, by built, I found chairs on the side of the road. But <laughs> it's, it's great. And Whatever, it's bougie. We love it. We're very comfortable. So... Awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate you. I'm also worried about you, as always. But, you know, talk to your therapist about it. It's not my problem. Whatever. It's 2021 and we're all still in quarantine. So Do what makes you happy. We're doing our best. But anyways, uh, behave. Stay elevated and stay out of trouble. I will do my best. Bye. Bye!